0: Let me say a prayer before we get started. God, our, our king, our shepherd, the one who watches over us, the one who um, made us for each other uh, to lead and to serve each other, would you take this mess of words and, uh, and take your scripture and take your thoughts and fill your people with it? Uh, to be used for your purposes. Um, I don't think we could ask anything better than that. Amen. So, yes, tonight uh, we've been going through the, the book. I don't know what the book is called. Um, walking through the Bible by story, by character. And tonight we came up on David. And uh, there were a few texts that we could talk about. Psalm 23, Psalm 51. Something from Second Samuel, other than David dancing in a linen e-pod. Um, but I'm going to choose Psalm 23. I think because that is a very, very profound piece. Um, and I'm going to read the text entirely before we go into the, the message here. Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. Adonai is my shepherd; I lack nothing. He has me lie down in grassy pastures. He leads me by quiet water. He restores my inner person. He guides me in right paths for the sake of his own name. Even if I pass through death-dark ravines, I will fear no disaster, for you are with me. Your rod and staff reassure me. You prepare a table for me, even as my enemies watch. You anoint my head with oil from an overflowing cup. Goodness and grace will pursue me every day of my life. And I will live in the house of Adonai for years and years to come. Uh, so looking at David the Shepherd King tonight, this is a very large figure to cover. Um, so much is written about him. Such an impact he has had on, on our world. And obviously he's in the line of Jesus. We could literally spend the next week talking about it, but we're going to get it squashed down to about 20 minutes. Um, which is, like I said, no easy task. It's not like... Somebody said, hey, can you talk about Zerubbabel tonight? No, I don't think that the importance of David can be overstated. There is an abundance of things to talk about with David. There's quite a few stories, both worshipful and inspiring, and a few that are kind of Game of Thrones with all of the murder and the adultery and whatnot. The book we've been going through highlights a selection of some of the more recognizable stories, like I said, including the 23rd Psalm that we're going to spend a little bit of time with tonight. So let me ask this. The Lord is my shepherd. Do we understand what that entails? And I don't mean the the theological quote-unquote right answer in that sense. I mean, we all kind of know that one. He is my Lord, he is my Savior, my Messiah, my sound guy, my museum curator, travel buddy, best friend, brewmaster, dungeon master, whatever. We can all fill in that blank. But I'm not actually interested in that blank, to tell you the truth, because you and I can read that one on just about any website we frequent. Shape it any way we like and repeat it back verbatim. Most of us can do that and have done that. The Lord is my shepherd. Let's engage this. In the 23rd Psalm, David, the shepherd, composes a song to Adonai, his God, a love song, I guess you could say, employing the metaphor that he knows best, shepherding. I'd like to invite you to enjoy my first ever three-point sermon, you know, with the rhyming subpoints and everything, as we kind of explore this idea of shepherding. Uh, So I'm going to spend my time tonight looking at the first three verses of the psalm. Verse 1. Adonai is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He has me lie down in grassy pastures. He leads me by the quiet water. Actually, I think that's verse 2. He has me lie down in the grassy pastures. He leads me by quiet water. A shepherd cares for the flock by doing this. Number one, leading the flock across the landscape for what the flock needs. Nurturing and caring for the health of both the flock and the individual sheep. And finally, training and, if necessary, disciplining the individual sheep and or the whole flock. So verse one, leading across landscapes. I am a voracious reader of of those epic fantasy novels that could double up as a coffee table if necessary. In these stories, there's always a king or a noble leading an army through a land to a castle or, or whatever, and there's always a discussion about the resources consumed. Is there enough crops and clean water to support that many people, etc. cetera? Um, when putting this together, I did some research about actual shepherds. And apparently it's still a thing today. It's still a viable profession today. Maybe not so much in the United States, you know, but there it is. Shepherds do this same kind of thing. They allow the sheep to crop in such and such field, and then they lead them to another and then to another, to this watering hole and then to that watering hole. But there's a rhythm to it though. It requires a kind of intuition a sense that this field has been cropped enough and that the flock should move on to the next or maybe search out a new one. This one pasture might have been sustaining them for quite a while now, but it needs to be left alone so that it might regrow and sustain them yet again. The shepherd has to develop a sense of the land that the flock is in. This field over here is really nice, yes, but it's too close to an unfriendly border. This field over here is barren. This field over here is known for wolves and predators. And this one over here is great, but it takes the sheep really too far from home or it has rocky terrain on it that might bring harm to the flock or a wandering sheep. It's the shepherd's job to know this stuff, to know the flock that they keep and what journeys are best for the flock that they keep. Verse 2. Nurturing and caring for the flock. Uh, Verse 2, he restores my inner person. Modern day shepherding is a bit like, I don't know if I can pronounce this or not, extreme veterinarianism. Um, And I researched a little bit about modern day shepherd is going to go out and they're still going to wander and take their their flock through fields and stuff. But modern day shepherds carry with them the state of the art medicine kits. And all the technology, the GPS tracking, and all the resources to not only prevent disease from spreading among the flock, they have to vaccinate them and uh, inoculate them, but they're also expected to detect when a particular sheep has been injured or comes down with something that could affect the entire flock. Um, The shepherd understands the value of the one sheep and its importance to the entire flock. The needs and the worth of the one in relation in relation to the needs and the worth of the entire flock. The shepherd is responsible to teach the sheep. Uh, I don't know what that means. A sheep belongs to the flock. A sheep is a member of the flock. And that its safety lies within the flock and the shepherd. That's the important point. So leading the flock, nurturing the flock... And then verse 3, training and disciplining the flock. He guides me in the right paths for the sake of his own name. Have you ever seen a picture of the sheep that has not been sheared? Like that? Somebody asked me, is this, is, there was a really famous case very recently where they found a sheep that had been lost for six years Uh, And it was barely even recognizable as as a living thing. And you saw these eyes sticking out of this giant poof. I mean, look at this guy. What's going to happen to this sheep or any sheep like that? If a sheep like this wanders off and gets into a rocky place or a thicket, the sheep will stumble because his legs aren't going to move. He'll get stuck because his wool is going to snag on these branches and he's going to starve to death. And the shepherd is going to have a dead sheep. So it falls to the shepherd to do things like shear the sheep, sheep, plain and simple. This must be done from time to time. You know, I don't know if they like it or not. I I don't know if sheep like it or not. Um, It could be that shearing a sheep is quite a bit like giving your dog a bath. And you know they're nice and polite and cooperative. Or it could also be like giving your cat a bath. Now I've tried that one. That's not that's not very pleasant. So you put on the welding gloves and the hockey mask and you do the thing. Uh, I'm also sure that you've heard the story about when a sheep habitually wanders, the shepherd himself has to break the leg of the sheep, and the shepherd himself carries it on his own shoulders while the sheep heals. And this also causes the sheep to bond with the shepherd in a very intimate way. I don't know if that's true or not. I didn't come across it while I was looking at it, um, you know. But it sounds reasonable. It sounds like something that may actually happen. It might be worth a Google later. I don't know. But you should be able to get the point. The shepherd has to train and discipline the flock to follow him. Which brings us to that word, discipline. It's not a hugely popular word. And usually people lump it into the same camp as punishment, repression, or even hate. And certainly there's good reasons for that, reasons that are beyond the scope of this, what we're doing tonight in any case. So discipline. If you take a look at the word, this word looks and acts quite a bit like the word disciple. If you want to be a doctor then you voluntarily undertake the discipline of med school. If you want to be an athlete, you undertake the discipline of physical training. If you're a musician, you undertake the discipline of regular practice, and so on. If you want to follow Jesus, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you undertake the discipline of learning his ways, his instructions, his commands, and carrying them out obediently. This takes... Practice. This is also where this whole message has been going all along. How was David successful, not faultless, but successful as a shepherd and a king? Because he knew the ways of Adonai, his God, and he practiced them his entire life. Worship, repentance, seeking God and seeking the counsel of God's people. He practiced the ways of God. And was able to lead others in those ways. Now how did he learn of these ways? He was taught. His father. His family. Whomever else. It it doesn't really matter. First rule of scripture interpretation is context. And the people for whom these accounts. The accounts like in the book of Samuel. And the book of Kings. And the references in Psalms. um, Were intended to be understood without explicit reference. That David had learned the ways of God and learned the ways of shepherding from someone in his life who knew and practiced both and passed on that knowledge to him. It's as simple as that. It really is that simple. Did David lose a sheep once in a while? Probably. Did David do an unclean thing once in a while? Probably. Did he miss a Sabbath once in a while? Sure, why not? Did he give up on either his trade skill as it were or following Adonai his God or did he abandon his kingdom because he stumbled once in a while absolutely not did he get mad when Nathan the prophet confronted him about his murder and his cover up of his adultery with the wife of Uriah did he walk away from God bent on having his own way Psalm 51 says no Do you suppose that Nathan the prophet showed up out of the blue when David needed correction? Or did he and David have an ongoing relationship? It's probably the latter. It's perfectly reasonable to believe that David saw Nathan, sought Nathan's counsel and company even when he wasn't in trouble. Because even the king needs a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Understanding what a shepherd does Who do you know? Who do we know individually? Who do we know that follows after God, practices His ways, obeys His commands, and inspires you to do the same? Who do you have in your life as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple of Jesus, that guides you encourages you in God's ways, and is not afraid to take you down and shear you, or worse, if need be. The Lord was David's shepherd because David practiced God's ways. He was taught the ways of God. He was taught the instructions of God. And he was taught by those who practiced those ways and taught David to do the same. May the same be said of us. Shalom.